researchers at University of Limerick have discovered a new species of bacteria that is resistant to antibiotics. The discovery was made by researchers at UL School of Medicine who identified a novel antibiotic-resistant bacterial species that is capable of colonising patients in a hospital setting. I know we're all getting increasingly worried as we hear all of that, so uh, let's uh, learn more about this fascinating discovery and what it uh, could mean. And to do that, we're joined by a man in the know. That's Professor Colm Dunn, the head of the University of Limerick School of Medicine. Colm, a very good morning to you. Thank you very much, Alan. Hopefully you can hear me clearly. Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear, which is just as well, because I'm sure from the brief uh, intro I gave there, some people are going, uh-oh. So first of all, tell us, how how did the discovery of this antibiotic-resistant species of bacteria come about? Thanks, Alan. Um, Over the last, well, I guess more than 10 years now, the the School of Medicine has been um, hosting researchers who have been working on understanding the different types of bacteria that live in hospitals. And and we do that for a number of reasons. The first is that we acknowledge that there is no hospital in the world that doesn't have a community of of microbes in there that are influenced not only by the the patients and the treatments and the visitors, but also by the the heavy use of antibiotics that that are prevalent within modern medicine. And despite the fact that the use of those antibiotics are used very carefully, Uh, people will recognize the term antimicrobial resistance. And this is a phenomenon whereby the microbes, in particular the the bacteria that are in the hospital, learn to become tolerant. They learn to to overcome those those antibiotics. And because of that, the communities change. What we've been trying to do is, is to work with the UL hospital group and other hospitals worldwide uh, to better understand the communities of bugs that are in there. And we do that so that we can help prevent them causing any problems. Or if they do cause a problem, we're better informed to be able to deal with that. And you mentioned antimicrobial resistance, which is a, a considerable challenge and is responsible for a significant number of deaths on, on around the, the world on, on an annual basis, unfortunately, Colm. Uh, Alan, you're absolutely right. And it, there's, it, it's a modern phenomenon. I think we need to, all of us, remember that we're we're living in a period where it's just over 100 years since the first antibiotic was actually identified and, and manufactured to the point that it could be used in, in widely in, in, in care of not only we as humans, but also vets in, in terms of animal, animal husbandry and in agriculture. We're now in a period that's often called the post-antibiotic era. So we're getting to a point where a lot of the microbes out there have met those antibiotics so frequently and at such a low dose that they weren't effective. So they developed genetics, mutations and metabolic abilities to overcome those. So that limits the amount of of, of, uh, options that we have in treating people who may have infections. Uh, and I think, again, if you, your listeners will all be familiar with the, 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 the concept of going to a, a general practitioner, a GP, um, and coming away with a script for an antibiotic that, that they feel that they want, that they, the GP feels that they should give often what they would say prophylactically or in a way to prevent something happening. But the reality is that this widespread use in, in community practice in agriculture and also in the hospitals has led us to the point that we need to much better understand how that resistance happens. And that's what this work was trying to do. 
and you were, weren't alone in this. You were working um, with, uh, with your colleagues from Queen's University up in, in Belfast as well. Can you give us more on the context in which uh, the discovery was made and how you suspect it uh, a little bit more and how it developed? Yeah, so Alan, the, the last year we, we published a, what was a frankly a huge study. It, it, we took out a, a significant number of toilet U-bends uh, sink drains and shower drains and if anybody thinks about cleaning their toilets and their sinks and their showers at home and that horrible black material that builds up in the pipework um, that's often what's called biofilm. That's where communities of bugs have grown to the point that they're visible. Um, we took all of these units out, we were able to scrape off all of that material and then to use a technical term we boiled it down uh, we, we took all the DNA out of that and we did very highly sophisticated work with our colleagues in Queen's University to understand everything that was in there. And then for this study, we, we came across a situation where a patient had been admitted to the hospital. They underwent a very routine process of screening whereby a swab is taken to see if they're carrying anything that might be a little bit challenging. And when it went into the diagnostic lab in the hospital, unfortunately, it couldn't be identified. Um, and, and that's relatively infrequent. Um, so that piqued our interest and we were able to sequence the DNA in that particular isolate and overlay that on that huge community of bugs that we had identified. And we found that, well, actually, we had something brand new here. And not only was it brand new, but it had certain genetic traits that were particularly interesting. And it gave us the opportunity to do something that is 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 very, uh, you know, infrequent in somebody's scientific career or clinical careers that we got to name that species. And we decided to name it after the, the city that it came from. So it's named after the city of Limerick. It's called Limericensis, which is a, a Latin term meaning from Limerick. So the new species named by, by us in Limerick is Pseudocitrobacter. That's the family name. So it is Pseudocitrobacter limericensis, or in other words, Pseudocitrobacter that comes from the city of Limerick. I'm sure Limerick won't. Uh, I don't know how overly thrilled they'll be to, <laughs> to be associated with that. And a genuine question as well, Colm. I mean, it's great that people like you and your colleagues do this type of work to find this kind of thing. But pulling out all those U-bends and fi- fixtures and fittings and scraping those visible uh, bacteria uh, uh, onto Petri dishes and, and so on. How are you able to eat your lunch during work? L- looking at all of that. <laughs> well, the, the first thing I'd say, Helen, if you were to look at me, you'd, you'd, you'd know that uh, I'm not short of calories. So <laughs> <laughs> I manage to get my lunch every day. There's no problem there. Um, I, I will say that there's, you know, the hospital and the university have partnered really well. I mean, this work is done not just to, you know, do it for the sake of ivory tower science. It's not just academic. We really do want to make a difference. Um, And the hospital management in working with us has done something that's almost unique in the Irish system. It's certainly very uncommon internationally is that they're very focused on research. They really do acknowledge that this is a problem everywhere around the world, in every hospital in the world. Um, And you know, sometimes we're not recognised in our own parish. And uh, certainly if you move internationally and you talk to people about the safety and the microbiology safety of the hospitals uh, in Ireland, Limerick will be mentioned because it has gone to the fore of looking at the problem 
trying to prevent these infections and by working and to understand what's in there really to protect patients. It is a very forward-looking approach and we have to acknowledge that, I think. I wonder where there are a mixture of emotions, Colin. You and your colleagues, you know, you must have been thrilled to make this kind of discovery because it's, you know, it's it's a big part of what you do. You want to find something that other researchers haven't found before. But then, and you know, getting to name it and so on, does that the, the thrill of that? Um, but then, alongside that, is the fact that it is resistant to antibiotics and the, perhaps the concerns or the the challenges this species of bacteria presents. Uh, and I suppose it is as well you found it uh, because it is there as you say there, this kind of thing is in all hospitals but now there's a, a bit of a head scratcher how do we how do we um, counteract this antibiotic resistant species of bacteria that, that's a great question Alan and it's very insightful um, yeah as scientists we're delighted to find these kind of, of, of new novel species as I say it doesn't happen every day of the week um, it is genuinely an honour to be able to name it after Limerick. Uh, people might be raising an eyebrow and saying the last thing we want to do is to have another problem associated with, with, with Limerick or even with Ireland generally. But, uh, but I would say that this is an opportunity to understand something brand new. The, these bacteria were only first identified less than 10 years ago. So to be able to add to that family, to be able to look at the opportunities that this presents for understanding antimicrobial resistance and, and other aspects of the bug, is, is, it is a privilege. Uh, and I think Limerick should be proud of the fact that it has a university and a hospital that's willing to, to look and do that kind of work. The, the second part of your question is, is really important. It's important to remember that this bug is not a pathogen. It doesn't cause disease. So in this case, a patient, as I say, was, was screened when they were admitted to the hospital, um, they were found not to be carrying anything that was challenging. But over a few days, they did acquire this. What that means is that the, 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 the bug took up residence, but it doesn't cause infection. It is present, but there are no symptoms. So in that sense, we're not looking at something dangerous, but we are looking at something that needs to be better understood. And by taking that first large piece of work that I talked about, those horrible U-bends and those sinks and those those shower units. And actually, I'll ask you a question. If you were to think about toilets and sinks and shower units, where do you think you would have the greatest abundance and diversity of species? Which of those three do you think would be I'm, Colum, I'm going to go for the obvious answer, which I suspect isn't the correct one, which is the toilet. But I, 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 I suspect you're going to tell me it's something else. It is. It's the shower units. And if you think oh. about it, toilets get cleaned very often. And we put our domestos and our bleaches and things like that down there. But we don't always do it quite as well with our showers. Um, and it, it's within that area that we've seen the greatest abundance. But it's having that kind of insight allows us then to inform the teams of people that we don't often see or acknowledge within the hospitals who are involved in the hygiene and the cleaning and the infection prevention practices. And by, by allowing them a better understanding of where they need to focus their attention, we can help to prevent these problems from occurring. It's it's good that, uh, as you say, this bacteria doesn't present any sort of danger or concern uh, for people. But is it as well you discovered it, Colin, because the very fact it was able to, you know, th that it came into being in the first place means that further down the road, 
because of this melting pot of people and antibiotics and everything that you find in a hospital setting, this either this particular species of bacteria or indeed another species could develop that could present a health risk or a serious health risk to patients? Again, a really important question, Alan. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll answer it in two ways. The first thing I'll ask all your, your listeners to do is to think back to when they were kids. Um, you know, you were out in the garden, you were, you were playing with your balls and you were running and you were, you were you know, on the swings and on the slides and in the sand pits. And then somebody said, your dinner's ready and you came in and as often as not, you didn't wash your hands properly. Um, you, the food went into your mouth and along with the food went quite a lot of bugs and that there's an adage there that you're, 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 you're very well advised to eat that dirt when you're young because it helps to bring those bugs that into your system that help you develop and develop a, 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 an active and beneficial immune system. So I will say that every day of the week, every time we touch anything and we don't wash our hands immediately before we, we have something to eat or, or otherwise, we're taking those bugs into our system. What we've done here, though, is identify something because of the processes that we have in the hospital system, because we're being so careful and so vigilant to ensure that somebody who might be immune compromised or vulnerable doesn't pick up something that would be uh, dangerous to them. That's how we spotted this new species. I, I suspect that there are thousands, maybe millions of these species that are out there that we haven't identified so far, but using the techniques that we're using in Limerick and, and partnering with, with our colleagues in, in Queens and in Belfast, we're going to see more and more and more of this happening. And the more information we have, as I say, the better for patient outcomes and the more careful we can be with regards to, to preventing infections that might occur and if they do occur, to treat them better. Just before I let you go, Colin, we've had a question from a listener on 086 964 saying, do they tell the patient where they found the bacteria? I presume the patient you found the bacteria was told it was there and also told the great news that it wasn't going to have any negative impact upon them. Well, again, we were involved in so many of these screens that were looking for, for, for pathogens, for problematic bugs. So certainly if, the, if there was anything innocuous, sorry, anything that wasn't innocuous and something that was going to cause a problem, the patient would be informed. Um, there are ethics involved in all of this work and we have to be absolutely clear uh, when we do any of these research that it's, it's consensual, it's ethically approved and it's all done in a way that protects uh, the anonymity of those patients. Okay, well, uh, it's a very, very fascinating discovery. I think we're all relieved to hear that it's not going to cause us any any issues, although one of its uh, not-too-distant cousins might further down the line. Um, enjoy your lunch today, Colm, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks very much, Alan. It was a pleasure. That's uh, Professor Colm Dunn, their head of University of Limerick's School of Medicine with us.